Well, I'm pretty excited to speak to you this morning, and um, thankful that I can do so. I would ask you, if you have your Bibles, to open it to Isaiah 53. We're going to be reading a passage of Scripture that actually was written about 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and yet it is about him. And uh, there's a Bible app event for this. If you have a phone with a Bible app on it, you click the menu, look for an event near you, and you'll find this uh, passage there that we'll read in just a few moments, and you'll find others there as well. So years ago, a Christian friend of mine told me that he and his wife were expecting. And he said to me, we have been advised to abort the child that my wife is carrying because some testing indicated that there might be some serious problems with this baby. Wow, that's a great way to start a sermon, Pastor Steve. So I asked him, I said, what are you going to do, buddy? And he replied, we're not going to follow that advice. We are going to trust God. And then I said to him, I admire that. I will pray that the doctors are wrong or that if they're right, God will heal that baby. And his response really puzzled me. This Christian guy looked at me and he said, don't do that. Don't pray that my baby would be anything different than he is or she is. Let God do whatever he wants to do. He'll provide whatever my wife and I need to go through this situation. What do you think of that? It's interesting, isn't it? I got to tell you, in one sense, I really admired him and his wife. I mean... They had faith. They had faith that God would give them whatever they needed on a road that was ahead. But they didn't show any faith regarding healing. They didn't even want me, instructed me not to pray for healing. And I often wondered why. I'll tell you a secret. I prayed anyway. Yeah. We're looking at Dr. Simpson, the founder of the Alliance. We're looking at his fourfold gospel. We've been looking at it for a while, that Jesus is our savior, he's our sanctifier, he's our healer and our coming king. And uh, these particular viewpoints and emphases and aspects are not distinctively Alliance, they are distinctively Christian. We only emphasize them and review them because it helps us keep the main thing the main thing. Today, we're going to be talking about Jesus, our healer, and uh, cover that concept. I'd like us to look at Isaiah 53. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6. Some of you are dying. You're like, so what happened with the baby? Stay awake. I'll tell you later. Isaiah 53, 1 through 6. Again, these words were written 700 years before Jesus died on the cross. They're speaking of his death prophetically. It is written in a past tense because that's how Hebrew literature works. And so listen as I read these half dozen verses to you. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. 
Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I want you to look at verses 4 and 5 once more. Let me read them again. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are, what's the last word? Healed. Healed. Healing. Don't you find it Don't you find it odd that my friend, a Christian man, did not want anyone to pray for his unborn child? Anyone. I'll put a lid on that incident for you, okay, because you want to know, right? Today that child is in college. He was born perfectly normal and is doing great. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. But the fact remains that there are a number of believers who don't ask for healing, And you ask yourself, why? And I guess maybe the easy answer would be, well, maybe they don't believe in healing. I think in some cases that answer is probably accurate. If that's you, I'd like to say that you're wrong in my estimation, but only God can really change your mind. If, However, if if you don't believe that God can heal, or you don't believe that God will heal, or you don't believe that God does heal, then you're probably not going to ask for healing. But there's other reasons, I think, that some believers don't ask for healing. And the second one I'd like to talk to you about is that healing can be a very difficult topic to get your brain around. It can be something that's very hard to understand, and we tend to want to oversimplify it. For example, if this morning I'm talking to you about healing, and I speak about the importance of faith in healing, I can be pretty sure that there'll be someone in a group this size, maybe some ones, some people in a group this size, that when I'm talking about faith, that's what will stick in their mind, and then they'll begin to believe that the core necessity for healing to take place is faith. It's all about faith. Pastor Steve said, all you need is faith to get healed, and and if you don't get healed, Pastor Steve said, you must not have enough faith. I didn't say that. I wouldn't say that. I have never said that. But it's hard to get your brain around healing, and I'm going to speak to you for about three and a half hours today about it, and it's just hard to pay attention all that time and understand it. It's not about faith exclusively, although faith's important. I actually take from the Bible that you can have the faith of the apostle Paul, and he had some faith, and you can still walk around with a thorn in your flesh. We'll look at that more closely later. Still, I've known people who feel like healing all boils down to that one element, faith. Some people don't pray for healing because of charlatans and frauds and scam artists. Perhaps Peter Popoff comes to mind. Some of you don't know that name. Sounds like Peter Pan, but it's not. He's probably my favorite scam artist, if one can have a favorite scam artist. Popoff held huge healing events back in the 80s, giant healing events, like maybe he could fill Bryce Jordan, and he made money, tens of millions upon tens of millions, 
maybe even $100 million in a short period of time. But he was busted. He was caught using an in-ear radio receiver in the late 80s. And on the other end of that, the transmitter was manned by his wife. And this is pretty much how it would work. When you came to the conference, you filled out a card with your name and your address, and you filled out where you were seated because there was assigned seating, and you put why you were there. Are you sick? What needs healed in you? And then you gave that at the registration table. Peter's wife would look through those cards. She would get the ones that are seated closest to the front, and she would choose some marks. Do you know what a mark is? It's that person you're going to get with the scan. And then she would read. Oh, seat G5, so that's ABCD, seven rows back, fifth one over. And uh, she, oh, I see her. She's wearing a blue coat. She's thinking to herself, and it says she has stomach cancer. And then she would say, hi, Petey, how you doing today? And he would talk to the audience while he's listening to her. She would say something like this, seven rows back on your right. And he would go, on my right? You know, in his mind, and she'd say, you're on the right, you know, and... and and, and, and he'd say, she'd say, fifth one in, blue coat. He'd walk up to her, and he would say something like this. Someone over here has a problem in their abdomen. I think it might be you. And she would say, I do, because she put stomach cancer on her card. And it's in your abdomen, and it's very serious, right? Yeah. Is, is it your stomach? Yes, it's cancer. It's stomach cancer. Well, man, she's a believer now, right? She's like, yeah, that's it. And then he would pray for her. Buddy, there are people who feel like that's okay because that's helping them believe. No, it's not. That's not creating faith. That's creating cynicism wholesale. And because of ministries like that, there are people who will not even talk about healing. They're afraid of it because that's so abused. Fraudsters can cause you not to ask for healing. There's another reason people don't ask for healing. They feel like real faith is revealed best in suffering. They think trusting God in sickness is actually better than asking for healing. And and indeed, when you look at someone like Johnny Erickson Tata, you know who she is, right? She's in a wheelchair, and on top of that, she had breast cancer. She's had so many things, and, and, they, and, and, and yet I look at her, and I want to tell you, that woman's faith is phenomenal in my mind, just phenomenal. She's like an Elizabeth Elliot kind of person, nothing but respect for her. And I have to wonder if that's what my buddy was thinking, you know? When he said, my wife's expecting, the doctor says we should abort because there's a problem with this child, but we're going to trust that God will give us whatever we need to endure that. Don't pray for healing. I wonder if he was feeling like real faith is revealed best in suffering. Maybe it is, but, (laughs) but that mindset presupposes that the biggest thing God wants from us is to be cheerful in misery. And so he makes us miserable so we can do that. And that's just not accurate. The mindset of Christianity, the theme of Christianity, is not just take whatever God gives you and bear it with all your might. That's not it at all. The theme of Christianity is God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever trusts in him would not perish but have eternal life. And I think that if the idea was that real faith is best revealed in suffering, then when Jesus bumped into people who would ask him for healing, like the blind Bartimaeus or anyone else for that matter, he would say, 
you're blind, you should remain blind because that's how you're going to glorify God. But he didn't. He healed again and again and again and again and again. And later, we're going to see how he actually invites us to come to him for healing. Some people probably struggle with this kind of thought. What if I ask God to heal and he doesn't heal? He's going to look bad. And I want to protect God from looking bad. We tend to want to protect or defend whatever it is that we tie to our identity. This is so hard for me to talk about. The Steelers got beat by the Browns Thursday. Wow. And the Browns, for crying out loud, the Browns. And some Browns fans were kind of strutting their stuff like, yeah, baby. And they don't even know how to do that because they've never won before. And as a Steeler fan, I identify with the Steelers. I want to protect them. And you see people doing that, right? And so you hear them saying things like, well, you know, defensive player of the year, T.J. Watt, we're missing him. What do you expect? And they want another excuse. They'll say is we got some pretty bad calls. There were a couple calls. Go to gone the other way. Now, you're really going to have to understand football and understand the Steelers to get this next excuse. Well, the reason we lost to the Browns is because we keep trying to tell Matt Canada that there's a little bit of football field in front of the offensive line, and he ought to try to address that part of the field too. He's the offensive coordinator who likes to throw on third and 15 for two yards, right? That guy. I'm not bitter. So we align ourselves with the team or the person or whatever it is, and then we feel this need to defend them whenever it seems that they have failed. You can see that it would naturally follow if you have aligned yourself with Christ, your healer, and you have told people, I am praying for Christ to heal me here, and he doesn't do it, you feel like you need to defend him. Listen to this sentence. You never need to defend the Lord God most high. He can take care of it himself. You just need to obey him. You just need to obey him. Often though, we feel like, I don't know if I'll ask for healing because what if he doesn't do it? Then he's going to look bad. I'll give you one more reason and then we'll move forward. Some people don't ask for healing because they, they have in the past and it didn't happen. What's the use? Why bother? I feel your pain. I feel your pain. The answer to the why bother question is really simple, but it's not satisfying. The answer is, why bother to ask for healing? Because he tells you to. Because he tells you to. There are some other reasons we don't ask for healing, but let's move on. If any of these resonate with you, I want you to look at what the scripture says about Christ our healer. And the first thing it says, you ever been like in the city, like I've seen this in Tampa, I've seen it in Akron, Ohio, I've seen it in Vegas. There's a, you're going down through and and there's one of them in Greenville, South Carolina, one in Atlanta. You're going down through the city and there's a sign that stands up there that says, Jesus saves. You ever seen that in the city? If you go to the city, you can see that sometimes. There could be a sign that says Jesus heals because he does, because he does. We're going to spend some time in Matthew 8. You don't need to turn there. I'm just going to talk about it. In Matthew 8, Jesus heals a bunch of people. 
And after about 16 verses of that, in verse 17, Matthew kind of steps out of the reporter mode. You know, like Jesus did this, Jesus did the next thing, Jesus did the next thing, Jesus the next thing. And as the Holy Spirit of God is inspiring him what to write, he says, Jesus did this because. And it's in verse 17. Let me just read the last part of that verse. He said, Jesus did this because the scripture says he took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. And then you can think of another verse of scripture that might come to your mind, like, does he still do that? Yeah, because the author of Hebrews says, yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. So Jesus healed yesterday, Jesus heals today, and Jesus heals tomorrow. He doesn't change. And you can think of examples from scripture. For example, Jesus healed the blind in scripture. He healed people who had leprosy. He healed paralytics in scripture. He healed people that couldn't talk in scripture. His followers did similar things. One of my favorite stories is in Acts. I mean, the church is one chapter old. In Acts chapter 2, the church is born. And then in chapter 3, two of the leaders of the church, Peter and John, are walking. And, and as they walk, a beggar is sitting there. And this beggar who can't walk, he's saying, would you give me some gold? Would you give me some begging? Would you help me? I can't get a job because I can't walk. And Peter turns to him. And the scripture says, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And he got up and walked. So the Bible shows that Jesus heals, and that healing happens in his name. But I've experienced it in this time. My daughter was healed. I've told that story maybe too many times. I myself feel that I was healed. What what about you? Let me just see if there's any hands. Is there anyone here, don't put them up yet, anyone here who you just feel like, I feel like, I needed a touch from God, and he came through and healed me. Now put your hand up strong. I'm going to count them. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. 21, 20, yeah. A lot of us, right? A lot of us. He heals. The Bible and our own experience show us that. In fact, God actually identifies himself as a healer. One of his names is Jehovah Rapha. And that word Rapha means healer. Comes from Exodus where he's speaking to the people he's brought out of Egypt. And at the end of that, he says, I am the Lord who heals you. That is in the Hebrew, I am, there's his name, Jehovah Rapha. It's my name. That's my name. Healer. He so identifies himself with healing that he uses it as one of his names. And he invites us to pursue healing. He invites you to ask for healing. The book of James is just incredibly rich with practical teaching. And in chapter 5, verse 13, James says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? (laughs) Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they sin, they'll be forgiven. And I could preach a whole sermon on that verse. I have. I have preached a whole sermon on that verse many times. I'm not going to preach a sermon for you. Here's what I want you to hear from that passage in James. God invites you. Is any among you sick? God invites you to ask for healing, to come to him for healing. 
It's also important. And if you've been Alliance for a while, you know this, or you should. Probably because Reverend Westover taught it. It's also important for you to understand that healing is provided in Christ's atonement. Here's what that means. Healing is provided by Christ in the work that he did on the cross. And that truth is found in the passage we read earlier. We've read it twice now. Let's read it again. Surely he took our pain and bore our sufferings, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. And that's not just spiritual healing. I was talking to one of my colleagues from another denomination a couple, three months ago, and uh, we were talking about that passage. He said, you know, that, that doesn't mean physical healing. Jesus didn't do anything for your physical body except for the resurrection that's coming when he was on the cross. That's all about spiritual healing. It's all about being saved. It's about spiritual wellness. And I mean this as politely as I can possibly mean it. If that statement is true, then the Bible is wrong in Matthew chapter 8. Because in Matthew chapter 8, we've already talked about it a little bit. In verse 17, let me work through chapter 8 with you. Can I do that? At the start of Matthew chapter 8, right in verse 3, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. We keep reading, and Matthew's reporting this information. We get down to verse 13. Jesus heals a man who's paralyzed. We keep going in verse 14 and on. Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law in in verse 15 of a fever. In verse 16, it said they kept bringing people to Jesus and he kept healing them and, and casting demons out of them. He kept bringing healing to them. And then Matthew says, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and our diseases. And when did he do that? On the cross. On the cross. When Jesus died on a cross, he was purchasing healing for you. And there are times in this life, every one of those hands that went up just a few minutes ago to say, I feel like God has healed me, they got a little bit of that, and they're going to get all of it at the resurrection when you're completely well and you stand again. What does Job say? (laughs) I know with my own eyes and my own body, I will see my Redeemer and I'll be well. All of that comes through the cross of Christ. It's not just spiritual healing. It's every kind of healing. But number five, not everyone is healed, at least not right away, and some, it would seem, never are. James says, again, in chapter 4, verse 2, he says, you do not have because you do not ask God. Sometimes we're not healed because we don't ask. I am guilty of this. I wrote three sermons this week. This is the third one. I got to tell you, it takes me a long time to write a sermon. And when I have to write three of them, that's a long time sitting in front of a computer. And inevitably, Laurel will hear this. Hey, Laurel, would you come and crack my back? And I'll lay down on the floor and she'll crack my back. When I was tougher, I would have her walk on it. She does not weigh anymore, but I am weaker now. I don't have her walk on my back anymore. But she'll crack it and that just helps. And I'll get back up and I'll go back to work on writing a sermon. So I'm writing this sermon, and I'm thinking of this. Some people are not healed because they do not ask, and it occurred to me, I don't remember the last time that I didn't say, hey, God, would you crack my back? Hey, God, would you heal me? God, would you please give me healing? I can't remember the last time 
that I ask for that. I have not, maybe because I ask not. Sometimes we're not healed because we ask with the wrong motives, and man, motives are tricky, aren't they? James says in chapter 4, as he continues, he says, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. You may spend what you get on your pleasures. If Jesus wants to heal you to make your body well, and the reason you want him to do that is for your own selfish interests, he might be a little reluctant to do so. The reason he wants to give you divine life is so that you can use that life to serve him. And sometimes we're not healed because serving him just isn't on our agenda. We have the wrong motives. The reality is that sometimes God doesn't heal because God can actually be glorified by not bringing healing. I mentioned to you a short time ago Paul's thorn in the flesh. And I put that on a screen in really tiny little letters. If you can't see them, I can zoom in if you'll just move up about 10 rows. Let me read them to you. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth about himself. He says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Again, I could preach a whole sermon on that. I actually have more than once. There are people who say, yeah, this thorn in the flesh, it wasn't a physical thing. There's nothing more physical than the flesh, right? Yeah. All I want you to see is this. I have it written down. I'm going to read it. Listen to this. God gave Paul something Paul did not want, something in his flesh. Many scholars think it might have been a problem with his vision. I tend to concur with that. If it was a problem with his vision, just think, this is something Jesus healed other times. Paul knows that. So Paul's dealing with this. Paul prays. He asked God to take it away from him. Three times he prayed. He could have prayed a hundred times or a thousand times, But God spoke to him and said, no. God very clearly said, I'm not going to fix this for you, Paul. And he told him why. It was a twofold reason. Number one, (laughs) I don't want you to be conceited. I promise I will never be conceited, God. I am way too good to ever be conceited. I don't want you to be conceited. And number two, I will use this malady to make you complete. I will use this to make you complete. Sometimes God's purposes are more perfectly fulfilled by not giving healing to those who ask. Wow, healing really is hard to get our brain around, isn't it? It's pretty complex. What do you do with these concepts? What do you take home from a a sermon like this? Let me try to give you some things that are memorable. Three of them. Number one, healing is never formulaic. It's never a formula. We, we always look to replicate things we've seen in the past. We can't do that with God. You can replicate a recipe. You can replicate what a machine is doing, but God is not a set of instructions, nor is he a machine. He is a person. And even Jesus healed in a variety of ways. This kind of makes me chuckle. One time, Jesus healed by sticking his fingers in a man's ears, then by spitting... 
And some scholars say he pulled out the guy's tongue and spit on his tongue. That's gross. And, and touching the man's tongue, that was one of the times, the spitting healing, right? And another time, he smeared mud, and I think he made that with his saliva. He smeared mud on a man's eyes. Well, that's mud in your eye, right? A third time, he just commanded, go, be healed. And they were healed. Here's what makes me chuckle. In our day and age, if that happened, we'd form three different denominations. We'd have the spitters, the mutters, and the commanders. Right? Yeah. The means, the way we seek healing is not the key because it's not a formula. It is more a matter, let me say that again. It is not really a matter of seeking healing as much as it is a matter of seeking the healer. So when you need healing, look for the healer. Founder of the Christian and Missionary Alliance wrote a hymn called Himself. And he has a line in it. We sang it in the first service this morning. Once I sought for healing, now himself alone. Huh. Healing is found by looking to the healer. And when you seek him with your heart, You find him. Sometimes we say we're looking for God because we're actually not really looking for him, but what he can give us. I need a better job. Maybe I should talk to God. I need a better marriage. Maybe I should talk to God. I need some better kids. (laughs) I uh, I need a healing. Maybe I'll talk to God, see if I can get a healing from him. It is not that he can't or won't give us those things if we come that way. It is that he wants to give us so much more. He wants to give us himself. So ask him to give you himself, his healing presence. There's a great verse in Jeremiah, chapter 29. It's actually three verses. I'm going to squeeze it on that screen. Yeah, there it worked. It all fit. Listen to what God says. Listen to what the scripture says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and... uh, Boy, I can't read that far away. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Did you catch the last verse? You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So when you need a healing, talk to God about it. But remember where the real value is. It's not in the healing, it's in the healer. Jesus, I really need you. It's really hard to manage this pain. It is really hard to imagine the future. It's really hard to be sick. And I would love if you would heal me. I want you. I want your presence. I want your healing presence. And I trust you. I trust you to give me all things that glorify you and are a blessing to me. Show me what you have for me today. Show me yourself. When you need healing, look to the healer. So I got a text message today. 
It's my sister. My sister, Mary Jane, watches online. My sister, Mary Jane, is a redheaded woman who is 17 years older than me. That makes her 29. (laughs) Yeah. She started watching during COVID. She watches every Sunday. Her and her husband watch together the early service. I love this. Listen to what she said. You know, if you love Jesus and you love your family, don't you just want to touch your family for Christ? It's so cool. Thank you for your message this morning. It touched me. Many times I have prayed for healing and received it. Praise his holy name. Now, she grew up Methodist. She's not like waving her hands saying praise his holy name unless she really means it. No offense to anyone who grew up Methodist. I did till I was four. She said, I even got some relief from arthritic knee pain. I praise God for all he has done. How cool is that? It made me even more aware of something I was previously aware of. That when we're going through the fourfold gospel, Jesus is our savior, he's our sanctifier, he's our healer, he's our coming king, that at each one of those points of doctrine, it's more than just something written on a PowerPoint slide. There are people here. I know it because I know you, and even if I didn't know you, statistics say it. There are people here who need to encounter the healer. They need to be healed. You may be one of those people. Let me, let me just really encourage you by saying he invites you. He wants you to ask for healing. Whether it's a physical need that you have or an emotional need you have or a deep sorrow that you have, I read again this week that it's possible to die of a broken heart. Wow. Need healed from that? It might be your marriage that needs healed. It might be your relationship with other family members. It could be just your thinking process hasn't been working right lately. Ask God for the healer. Ask him to heal you. Whatever you need, ask him. Years ago, we used to do this thing where I would finish a sermon on healing, and Reverend Westover did it as well. Finish a sermon on healing, we'd say, if you'd like to be healed, come on down and kneel at the altar, and the elders are here, they will pray for you for healing. But I've noticed, and I feel this is true, people are less willing to do that than they were 20 years ago. But beyond that, I think that even 20 years ago, some people were left out. They just said, you know, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. And I don't want to talk to a bunch of men about my sickness. I understand that. What I want to do today, though, is say to you, if you would like the elders to anoint you with oil and pray for you, we just take a little dab, put it on your forehead, and each of us pray. It's a very simple thing. We don't pour uh, 10W30 into quart jars on you. We don't spray you with WD40 either. It's actually Bertoli olive oil from my wife's kitchen. If you desire that ever, James says, you call the elders of the church. We're available to you. We've gone out in the middle of the night and prayed for people. We're happy to do that. But this morning, I want to give you a chance to respond just where you are. I want you to think for a moment. 
If you could ask Jesus to be your healer in any particular place in your whole being, where would you want him to place his healing hand? I think to myself, for me personally, I don't know if you have enough hands, Jesus. Right? Where is it for you? And if you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know what, I don't really feel a need for healing, then give him praise. And give your attention to people around you because I guarantee you this room is full of people who are longing for healing. I'd like to ask you if you'd stand. Let's stand together. And I want us to just unite our hearts together in prayer, asking for the healer to work. I really don't want you to see this as a, well, that's a creative way to end the service, Pastor Steve. I really want you to see this as, God, touch me and make me well. Touch my friend and make him well. Touch my son, my daughter. Touch my husband, my wife. Be the healer, the Lord who heals us. So I will lead in prayer. In the quietness of your heart, you make your own prayer. And then we'll worship God in song. Let's bow our hearts. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for you, the healer. For you, who was wounded for our transgressions, was crushed for our iniquities, whose punishment brought us peace, and by whose wounds we are healed. Thank you for caring about our lives. One day we will be with you face to face, and we look forward to that fullness of, our, of your presence with us. Right now we get little pieces of that, and at times, like a baptism service or something, we're like, man, I felt like I could have touched the face of God, and we're thankful for those little pieces of heaven that invade our life. I pray that you would give us little pieces of the resurrection to invade our being. I pray for the people who are standing before you who long for the healer to infuse his divine life. Do it now, Jesus. Do it now. And whether you do that in a way that heals us immediately or puts us on a path toward healing or has something else in mind for us, we know that even if we don't get the healing, we get the healer. And we will walk the road that is before us because we trust you. We love you. We worship and adore you. You are Jehovah Rapha, our healer. May we experience your presence in every way you have us to do. In the name of Christ Jesus, the Lord. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen.